It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Bro History. I have myself and I have Danny Abdul-Jabbar on the line. Um, today we're going to be talking about North Korea um, again, just because it's prevalent in the news. Uh, Danny, what's going on, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can't complain. Um, did you hear about that that duck in Central Park? There's a Mandarin <laughs> the duck. The Mallard duck? The, yeah, the Mandarin. Yeah, There's yeah a Mandarin that's kind of old news. It's old news, but I just heard about it today, but it's still there, apparently. And oh, um, He's surviving the winter? <laughs> he's surviving the winter. And uh, for people who don't know, in Central Park, there's a rare Mandarin duck, and it's become quite famous in the past, uh, I don't know, like three months or so. I just caught on to the story. I, I had no idea. But um, apparently, every, people are taking off work. Um, people, people are going crazy for this sexy-ass duck. They're trying to get pictures of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Pokemon, you know? Everyone's running out in the real world trying to find it. <laughs> well, I looked at pictures of it, and I'm, I was trying to find it today. I couldn't find it. Um, apparently, it's only in one small pond in Central Park, and mm-hmm. um, so I think I'm going to try to find it um, sometime this week. Uh, I just need to see this sexy-ass duck. This sexy-ass <laughs> motherfucking duck. I need to see it. I need to see it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the duck, but... It is. It is a pretty vibrant looking one. At that, all I know is that it's like duck mania. <laughs> it's Mandarin duck mania. The women are going crazy for it. People are taking off work to find this thing, and um, I need to see this sexy ass duck. All right, um, enough of that. So I wanted to bring you. I will not bring you on. You're the co-host of the show, but I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to you about North Korea um, mainly because I, I did an episode on. Thursday last week, I'm not sure if you listened to it or not, but basically what I wanted to do with that last episode of North Korea was just give kind of like a backstory uh, leading up to the events of the summit that took place in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, really just just explaining the process of that summit. What were the events that led up to the summit, really, and, and how Moon was elected on the Sunshine Policy, how Moon's base really wants him to make peace with North North Korea, and how Trump kind of received a lot of credit that he didn't deserve for the North Korean mm-hmm. summit. Um, mm-hmm. I say that because he, before he was for it, before he was for meeting Kim Jong-un, he was against it. He threatened South Korea. He threatened to put tariffs on them. 
A little um, Rocket Man, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, he was calling him Rocket Man, Fire and Fury, all that stuff. Like everyone's pretty yeah. familiar with that rhetoric. And Moon, yeah, South yeah. Korea went ahead and they met with them anyway. Um, before they met, they were already exchanging culture ties. They had that joint hockey team in the Olympics, and that's you know, right. Mm-hmm. K pop band was playing there, so they were they were kind of easing tensions through just through culture. Um, right. There's nothing really official, and then they went ahead. It was and a pretty meet. good approach, I think. That's what that's the Dennis Rodman approach. That's what Dennis yeah. Rodman said in 2013. He said that he wanted to we, bring basketball over. <laughs> that well, I, he was right. Yeah, that, no, he was. He was right. Like, there's nothing like sports to to uh, importing sports into a culture does goes a long way. Um, yeah, it, it really does go a long way. And what Dennis Rodman was saying, he said, like, let's first start with basketball. Then let's start with music, and then, you know, eventually if we exchange some culture ties and, um, you know, people are more familiar with, like, American products and American culture, it will be a lot easier to uh, transition them into a normal society. And, goddamn, Dennis Rodman was completely reasonable in saying all that stuff. And I think that's really the approach that South Korea took. Um, Not saying if they followed his advice, but I think he did, I mean, he's been president at all the summits, um, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100% Rodman? sure if he was at the last one, but he was at the one that took place in Singapore. But that's besides the point. Um, I just wanted to make the point that the last episode of Bro History, the last episode where I spoke about South, uh, North and South Korea, I wanted to make the point that the reason why North Korea came up to the bargaining table is because they're in very, very, they're in a very bad economic situation. They're a borderline I mean, they are kind of just a failed state that's ran by a dictator. And yeah. they started producing nuclear weapons in the first place with the goal of negotiating them away because they thought right. that would be their only way to get back into um, a place where the they world could, stage. Yeah. yeah, the world stage. So they built that economic, they built those nuclear programs to barter them away. And what I said is that they don't need nuclear weapons as a deterrent because they actually have two. I mean, it does serve as a deterrent. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't, but there is sure. another deterrent. They have two other deterrents that they don't, that that they have that are very strong. Um, number one is their artillery. That's right. That they, they have very advanced artillery, and, and I want to get into that with you. Yeah, we can talk about As it. the main topic for today, the type of artillery they have um, on the, uh, basically on the uh, DMZ zone, the, uh, the border between North and South Korea that could absolutely kill thousands of people on demand right. if they needed to. And uh, second, if North Korea were to become, and this is not an intentional um, deterrent that I, they came up with, but it acts as a, de- a deterrent to China at the very least. If North Korea ever became a failed state, then there would be a huge refugee crisis That's right. in South Korea and China. And I mm-hmm. don't think either country wants that to happen. Nope. But let's concentrate on... Um, on the, that first one. On that first top, that that first one. Um, so mm-hmm. can you speak a little bit more about what type of artillery North Korea has? Yep. So the artillery that you're referring to is the, uh, I guess the most um, recent one, is the M1978 Koksan, or Koksan. I have no idea how it's pronounced. Uh, it is a 170-millimeter self-propelled uh, artillery gun. And in in layman's terms, that just means it's a tank with a giant ass gun on it, like a big ass tube. Um, I forget exactly how long that tube is, but 170 millimeters wide 
you know, like a, a diameter, that's like six and a half, seven inches. The bullets are six and a half, seven inches wide, you know, uh, which is a big ass bullet. Uh, their range is, is important, but I'll, I'll talk about why it's important in a second. But, uh, depending on the artillery that they're firing out of the, uh, out of these, um, uh, guns, they can get anywhere between 25 and 40 miles. Um, so that's important because, uh, the capital of South Korea, Seoul, South Korea happens to be 35 miles from the demilitarized zone, uh, between North Korea and South Korea. Uh, and guess where North Korea stacks all of their <laughs> artillery units right along the border. So you mentioned something early on, uh, that I, I want to kind of slightly correct. I wouldn't say that the Coxon artillery system is an advanced artillery system. That's not necessarily true. So a lot of the ones that they use are like, have been in service since like 1978. So that's not exactly advanced. And because of different things like sanctions and stuff like that, they're not openly trading new technology to update these things, right? What's incredibly dangerous about them is the proximity to South Korea being only 35 miles from the border and the sheer volume of them. So this is like the Sherman tank debate that we had a long time ago, right? They've got a bunch of artillery vehicles that on their own you know, we have better artillery than they do. Um, South Korea has really dope artillery too, like really advanced new ones. But the fact that they have, I mean, it's it's obviously they're not a very uh, open nation. So the, the best estimates on how many they have go between 10 and 12,000 uh, of these artillery weapons. And another, I want to say two to 3,000, um, rocket launchers basically these like like s400s but like shittier <laughs> you know um but the combination of like fifteen thousand guns aimed at south korea right along the border and how they've got them arranged makes them a very very deadly thing what's so i read different numbers i think they have around like between 14 to seventeen thousand units Right. It, it, it just depends on what exactly you're talking about. So the Coxon um, self-propelled guns, they have about ten to 12,000, and then another two to 3,000 of those uh, um, basically rocket launchers, right? But together, they, they, they put them together in a brigade, right? Um, and what they do is the area, that the topography, the geography of that near the demilitarized zone is very mountainous, right? Uh, so what they do is they hide the... I mean, they're not just chilling out in the open, right, for anyone to hit them with, right? They're hiding in, like, in the mountains. Like, they, they bore out areas in the mountains with, like, blast shields and shit like that, and they just hide them in there. And then they can open up the doors and, like, just start firing in minutes if they wanted to. Um, and what makes them so dangerous is that each one of them by themselves <clears throat> are kind of unreliable, but the sheer volume of them and how quickly they can deploy them and how close they are to South Korea would be devastating. So South Korea's, um, so Seoul specifically, their capital city, has something like 25 million people there. It's almost half of their population. It's extremely dense. Um, what would happen if they decided to use it would be devastating. 
So they've got two routes that they can go. Either A, they could hit military bases, both South Korean and U.S. military bases along the DMZ, pretty quickly and try to take out as much forces as they can, as much like military tech as they can, just with an insane barrage uh, and hit those sites. Or they can try and hit Seoul and do massive casualties, which would, I mean, obviously they'd open themselves up for counterattack because they're not attacking a military installation, but it would create other issues. I think some estimates are like they can easily kill 25,000 people in a couple of minutes um, just with the artillery itself. But the chaos that would ensue, you know, without even leveling the city, which they absolutely could, just when people are fleeing from the city, the infrastructure there wouldn't be, isn't there to support like a mass, you know, millions of people trying to leave one major metropolitan city. Uh, So it would create giant traffic jams, which would also create a lot of problems with the military trying to move their assets forward north right from a southern more period right now obviously the the demilitarized zone is the most heavily armed area on the planet you know like between north and south korea they've got more guns more you know anti-air missiles more jets more fucking everything than you can think of um than anywhere else on the planet but in a, in a chaos situation like that, there's like if, if North Korea just decided to open fire one day, they'd really, really need to move more from the south to the north. Uh, and the the traffic jams alone would would make it very, very difficult to do. Well, let me let me stop you right there. So what I would think what would happen, I don't see them ever making uh, ever using that artillery to launch an attack on a military base because that would assume that the u.s is just sitting on that mil- like all their military assets are in place right there um i see them only using it on the civilian population as a as a deterrent to invasion i mean yeah they could um but it still makes tactical sense to hit military installations almost simultaneously with with uh, uh the civilian population because they also want to make sure that like the second they start shooting we know where they are you know We've got satellites, we've got, you know, planes, we've got all kinds of crazy technology to figure out where where things are, but we can't see them at the moment because they're hidden in the mountains, right? So the second they start firing, we're going to hit them back in in relatively short order. So it would make sense for them to hit some military installations as well or just in general because what would it what it would do is cause the military to be in a defensive posture rather than an offensive posture. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, something I found really interesting is that I was looking up where the THAAD system is, and uh, South mm-hmm. Korea has THAAD, which is right. a um, which surface is, to air, yeah, surface um, to air, the, the really you know our best one, right? Like the mm-hmm. THAAD system is Ar- the U.S. arguably, Korea. yeah. So that system is located down in southern south korea or the middle of the country so mm-hmm. wouldn't you think that well you would think that that system would be placed on the border right but no it's not placed on a border and what i think is not pla- it's not placed on a border because uh, those radar systems penetrate so deep they don't want it to penetrate into china airspace well i think that's definitely true um i also don't want to politic around the... with that because china's gonna be like yeah. what the fuck like you can't have a radar system in our fucking country it- 
Yeah, that that definitely that plays a part in it. Um, so China and North Korea have an interesting relationship. You know, in addition to China being pissed off, you, they're probably going to tip off North Korea the fact that they're moving their their missile systems closer. You know, and if I were Kim Jong Un and you were placing, you know, Iron Dome or Thad or or you know S four hundreds on my border, I'd be pretty pissed. You know, so it would it would coax them into a um, a strike. I think if they move them, in addition to pissing off China, um, just just having them on your doorstep wouldn't be good. They would see that as a as a as an offensive move, not a defensive move. Yeah, I, I agree. But here's a good thing. So curious to hear. So my thoughts on the summit in Vietnam was that it was it was a failure. At least that was my take on Thursday. Yeah, totally. Curious to hear what your take is on it. I mean, it was a total failure, obviously. Um, I think, you know, I want to give credit where credit's due on the first go around, you know, Trump being willing, you know, a a sitting U.S. president being willing to sit down with, you know, uh, the leader of North Korea to try and iron out a deal, right, Uh, was in a certain sense brave, um, definitely politically uh, 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 savvy, um, and, and just generally speaking like a good idea in my opinion, you know. Uh, we make peace with our enemies, you know, uh, that's, that's who we make peace with. Uh, so even though I'm not a big Trump supporter, I was, I was all right with him going to talk to it and try and see what happens. Right. And it seemed like, you know, okay, they said they were going to, uh, uh, you know, start to denuke, but there were no, there were no like concrete steps in place. Right. It was just more like a, like a gentleman's agreement. Like, yeah, we're going to tone it down. We're going to stop firing rockets into the sea, you know? Our war with Atlantis is over. It's fine, you know. But this one, <clears throat> I mean, you got nothing out of it, you know. Uh, North Korea has not opened up any, you know, uh, um, any assurances that that uh, international people uh, and inspectors can come in and make sure that they're that they are denuclearizing. Um, and I think that <clears throat> the sticking point there was North Korea wants us to stop with the sanctions first and then they'll get rid of uh the nukes whereas we want them to get rid of the nukes first and then we'll stop the sanctions and so that's kind of where where the hinge point is and i don't think i don't i didn't think that trump had the chops to to deal with that you know um because you're not going to come home and say yeah we're going to stop the sanctions because it's north korea they they've lied before like every time their country is is starving which is frankly all the time but every time around this time, uh, when North Korea is in a really bad spot, you know, towards the end of the winter, they start ramping up their military uh, um, uh, uh, propaganda and, and firing off rockets and doing all this shit so that they can bargain out, bargain down, right? So like you said earlier on, their nuke program was probably, you know, intended so that they can use that as a leverage point to say, hey, we'll get rid of our nukes if you just stop sanctioning us, right? Uh, well, same same deal with with how they posture themselves militarily. Every time around the season, they're getting really hungry. Like their food stores are depleted because of the winter, right? And now they want eased up on sanctions so they can feed their people. Um, and then in the summer, you know, they'll they'll go back to doing whatever it is that they're doing. So like as the president, you can't be like, yeah, we decided to stop sanctions, um, and we're gonna hope that they're gonna hold up their end of the bargain. Um, at the same time. You can't go in there and expect them, North Korea, that is, to trust the United States 
and trust that that we're going to lift our sanctions if they get rid of their nukes because like you said that's their bargaining chip right so it's like a it's like a game of chicken you know well, South Korea is, t- is taking the best approach on this. The moon is taking by far the best approach. And it's a shame that yeah, he absolutely. wasn't there. Um, yeah. I really wish that he was there to play as the adult in the room. But Definitely. I do think yeah. moon is keeping this stuff alive right now. Um, and let's be honest, both parties are, I do think they are, they do want to come to some agreement. But uh, mm-hmm. let me just go over what South Korea wanted to outline for the, the goals of the first summit. Um, The first step was to set up communications, which had already obviously been achieved. So that was taking place all throughout 2018 with the Olympics, with the two summits uh, between South Korea and North Korea, and then the one in July with Trump and that whole thing. Um, After that, the second step was to set up economic uh, cooperation zones where you would get some South Korean factories in North Korea and uh, North Koreans would be able to work there. Um, it would set up the, the prospect of future tourism uh, to North Korea from South Korea. In, in North Korea, there's this like really famous mountain that people want to go to. So it, they would set up, yeah, it would set up attractions like, uh, like that. Um, and then after that, they would start with a process of connecting roads and railroads in order to get different to get South Korean goods into the country. And after that, I mean, th- that process would be a step-by-step process. And in return, you know, for each single step, you know, they North Korea would, would go further into the process of uh, demilitarizing or, or, or um, deconstructing some of their nuclear plants or testing zones um, with, with each step. And then the last step right. after all that would be achieved would be a total denuclearization and normalization of North Korea where they would enter into the world economy and they would have all sanctions lifted. Um, What ended up happening instead was that Trump went in with an all or nothing attitude Mm -hmm. and they basically skipped all three steps and went straight to denuclearization. And North Korea can't do that because that's their only bargaining chip. And there was three different stories that came out of the summit. Um, One from... America, one from North Korea, and one from South Korea. Um, I trust the one that's coming out from South Korea. Same. And basically what they said, and uh, you won't be surprised by this, is Mm. that the summit was going well. The talks were going well. They were were going somewhere. And then John Bolton runs in at the last second. He's late. He's like 40 minutes late. And and, um, he says that, they need to um, to um, I just lost this from my notes, I, but apparently he he brought up they they were on the way to reach an agreement. Um, the U.S. was going to offer total like a uh, partial sanction relief, and uh, North Korea agreed to uh, denuclearize some some of their bigger um, bigger um, facilities. And John Bolton comes in. He's like, "Also, you gotta, you have to, um, you have to totally um, give up all your chemical weapons and bio weapons and stuff like that." He just adds more to the table. He just kind of, he just raised the bar for North Korea right. on that. And then North Korea responds with uh, total uh, sanctions relief. With all they wanted, all their sanctions relief. And right. after that, the U.S. walked out. And that's what I tend to believe what happened. Right. And I mean, they just kept adding more things to the bargain, which obviously the other side's going to add more shit to. Right. You're not going to get 
less out of the deal. Exactly, and that's what led to everything flying off the rails. Um, it almost seems like John Bolton went in there with the intention of screwing everything up. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised, <laughs> like you said. You know, I think he'd prefer that we just go out on, you know, on ground invasion on North Korea than than diplomatically like play basketball. You know, <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think anyone wants to actually have a ground invasion on North Korea because it's just way too dangerous to do that. Like not yeah. even for the sake of just South Korea, but for the United States too. Like let's just let's not pretend like North Korea, their nuclear technology and awards that warheads that they have are a joke. They have a real program, right? Their program is they launched a missile into space. Right. I mean, it's 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 not the that it's the most advanced. It's just the fact that they have one. Right. It doesn't make it any less fucking dangerous. Right. You know, they and and the artillery that we're just talking about, the coxswain, like they can literally kill thousands of people in minutes at, at with no warning if they wanted to. Right. And, you know, us Western westernized countries can't stomach casualties, especially not civilian casualties like this would be nine eleven times a million. You know, like it would be terrible. It'd be terrible. Yeah, it would be awful, and that's why I don't think that even like the the hardcore neocons don't want to yeah. invade. And I, I'm just I'm obviously exaggerating. Right? Yeah, I don't actually well, think anyone wants to, but I don't think anyone actually wants to. I just think that they don't want a Korean peace process to eventually lead to us abandoning those bases in South Korea. I, I think that's mm-hmm. really where the thought, the like the the train of thought is, is that if we yeah. if all right, let's just say if, if uh, North Korea and let's say best case scenario that North Korea and South Korea, they become one Korea and right. they, they figure they, it out on their own. They, they, they figure it out on, on their own. Um, Kim Jong-un becomes like the governor of like uh, Pyongyang North or something Korea, like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he has like celebrity status as like a duke or something. And, you know, he can keep some of his he can have power like um like the royal family of england or something you know maybe mm-hmm. more more along the lines of just having like a, um what's the word i'm looking for aristocratic status maybe yeah like aristocratic status um mm-hmm. instead of actually being someone who can who can sign papers and stuff like that um i think that would be best case scenario but then what's leaving moon from turning around after that and saying hey um, so we have, uh, you know, we have peace, so we, we can get rid of these, uh, you know, 23,000 troops, you know, they're really not doing anything anyway. Like it's 23,000 troops. Like, right. can these guys leave now? I, I think that's the fear. And the, the bring that even more into context, if South Korea starts to do to, uh, if troops start leaving South Korea, I think there's a fear where that could cascade over to Japan, right? As well, and I mean if that's that the cas- reason why Japan wants like F twenty twos, you know. Well, Japan. So, what was interesting, and this story went largely uncovered um, about two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, Okinawa voted to um, to uh, a referendum on the bases in in Okinawa, like the people in Okinawa are really unhappy with the American bases there. And, well, the American um, soldiers have been doing some fucked up shit there. Well, that's <clears throat> why it's been a pretty long history. There's been a long history over the past like 20, 30 years of right a lot of like a lot of trouble. Abuses. 
Like, yeah. yeah, like various abuses. Like at ninety in the nineties, there was like a lot of cases of people getting like you know there's like this this really famous or notorious case of like this little this twelve year old girl who got raped by like three American soldiers in a van. Um, right. What happens is that a lot of a lot of the times is that when you have a, a very young population, because most guys there are in their twenties, and mm-hmm. even if ninety nine percent of those guys are are, are fine, um, there's always going to be bad apples in a group of, of a bunch of twenty year olds. And that also leads to, you know, more prostitution and stuff like that, because that, that, that opens up the market for more prostitution because these guys, um, they don't speak Japanese, they don't speak Mm -hmm. Japanese or anything like that. So they can't like create a real, they can't have a real relationship. So they end up just, you know, banging prostitutes the entire time. And, um, Mm -hmm. it just makes, it just makes it shittier just think of like you like you wouldn't want a big any big group of 20 to 30 year olds located in your city you know what i mean yeah and it's, then it's the like opening up a new pollution. college town like every single yeah. college town in the united states like they just wreck shit i went to yeah, rutgers it, new brunswick and we absolutely tore up the city anytime there was like a big event or anything like that so i'm sure the city of new brunswick didn't really appreciate that <laughs> in, in okinawa okinawa is uh is, is a tourist attraction and uh they're a tourist attraction because they have beautiful beaches those, right. those bases they they cause pollution and things like that and you know they stick them down tokyo's in favor of them and tokyo wants them down there because um you know you don't want to deal with it. you're not going to put the bases there is a base in tokyo but it's not as, they're not as big as the ones in okinawa they're not going to put a base in near like a really big urban major center. city right you know what mm-hmm. i mean so they put them in okinawa so i think there's a fear of that cascading throughout well, you know to japan as well and if that happens yeah. in japan what if that cascades over to europe you know what i mean right i mean and it would uh and and you know to your point i think a lot of the neocons just want to hold all, as many you know international foreign bases as they can even though we don't utilize all of them um effectively and we spend billions of dollars uh every year uh just upkeeping things that we don't use <clears throat> uh yeah you're absolutely right so like if if best case scenario and you know korea decides like we're going to become one korea they're probably going to look at the united states and be like hey maybe you know Maybe you should go get a room, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And, and let's, like, who are we kidding? They're not there because of North Korea. They're there. The pretext is, like, yeah, we need them because of North Korea. But they're there because of China. Let's get Right, and, and Russia to a large extent, too. China you know? and Russia is a reason why they're right. there. Like, it's yeah. already been... The, the military is... They want to direct mainland access to both of those places. Exactly. You know? And that's, that's a really easy way to do that. Yeah. exactly and so, so it has that... strategic it has strategic like benefits but at what point do we say all right these strategic benefits are better than you know propelling peace on the korean peninsula peninsula you know there's millions of people in north korea that are suffering under kim jong-un and and being crippled under the sanctions rightly so those sanctions are in place because north korea's dictatorship is 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 insane um but that doesn't mean that the people should should suffer, you know. So, just because you're going to lose a foothold on, you know, the Asian continent, uh, you know, the mainland Asian continent doesn't shouldn't it shouldn't prevent you from, you know, bettering the lives of millions of people. But you know, that's the that's the argument that I think is happening right now in politics and geopolitics specifically.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I think that's the major argument is that, yeah, do we want, like, all right, it's it's really dangerous, the game that we're playing here with North Korea. And it, it's been dangerous for a really long time. Um, we like to make jokes about North Korea being like a joke state and them just having a being completely brainwashed robots and then, you know, they're missile technology just being archaic and stuff like that but and they really love accordions yeah like let's just look at the real like they they launched a missile into space they they have Uh a legitimate nuclear program at this point they have the ability they have enough artillery to kill thousands of people in south korea so it's like they they are an actual threat so do you want to play this game of geopolitics with them um just just on behalf of having bases to uh to again, to, pre- to prevent China's ambitions in uh, the South China Sea? Because that's really what I think they, they come that's what, down to. We have, strike, we have strike carrier groups for that. You know, like, we don't need to be on the mainland for that. I mean, South Korea's South Korea's Navy is it's so behind... Not, not South Korea. China's Navy is, like, just... It's really far behind us. It's and really we, we had a whole behind. episode on their aircraft carriers and how how they basically bought one from the Ukraine under false pretenses and it's really old and it sucks. <laughs> no, it was a casino. It was a casino. No. <laughs> ship, right? No, it was a it was an old Russian um uh, uh aircraft carrier like with the with the fucking ski jump in the front and everything, right? And and China set up a shell corporation like a like a fake company and said, "Oh, we want to purchase this from you Ukraine." Uh, because we want to make a floating casino, right? Oh, and they okay, bought, I got it. And then they bought it, and they were like, psych, <laughs> this is our aircraft carrier now. <laughs> uh, they've been retrofitting it, and um, it was funny. I mean, if you haven't seen the episode on that one, definitely go and watch it. It's it's awesome, but one of my favorite parts of it is that, you know, landing on an aircraft carrier is hard enough. Like, it's it's in, it's literally insane. You're moving, you know, you're flying. It is a moving target in the ocean, and you actually have to hit the gas when you land, uh, because just the way the the arresting gear works, and the nope, because they bought this aircraft carrier under false pretenses, nobody from another country is coming to like show them how to do it, like they have to figure it out themselves, uh, which is insane. Um, so they're both like learning how to how to land and take off of an aircraft carrier, and they're writing the manuals on how to train other people how to do it at the same time. It's it's pretty crazy. I digress, though. You're absolutely right. Their Navy is so far behind ours. Well, there is a bit of a silver lining with this. Um, it's not like everything has gone to shit. Like, I don't think there was. it was a step backwards. There was just the summit just failed to prevent us. There was no step forward during summit where there could have been a major step. There just nothing right. really happened. I don't think it was a step backwards because it's just a stalemate. You know? Yeah, it's it's so. The U.S. and South Korea, they still canceled their their uh, joint mock invasions in the future. You know how they have those all the time. Yeah, where they, they yeah, pretend yeah, yeah. to invade, which which are expensive. Well, they don't and, they don't pretend to invade. They pretend to defend themselves. But I digress. Still, yeah, it, they pretend po- to defend themselves by invading North by pretending to <laughs> invade yeah. North Korea. Yeah, yeah. Um, they canceled those, so they're not. It's not like the U.S. is eager to just go back, or or the Trump administration is is to is to uh, just 
toss out all the progress that they made so far. Um, mm-hmm. But they're they're uh, really trying to go. It seems like they're really trying to go with this all or nothing approach where um, North That's... Korea, North Korea just uh, totally denuclearizes before there's any kind of sanction relief. And uh, they're conf- I think they're confident that they can wait them out just because of the economic situation there. Um, however, I, I just think it's a dangerous game to play. Um, it's especially when like you make these demands and you're, you know, John Bolton said only what a year ago that we can give them the Libya treatment. The Libya treat. He said that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. He said, give them the Libya treatment. And the Libya treatment is basically Gaddafi agreed to get rid of his nuclear program. Right. And then we And what just, happened to him? Yeah, well. Hillary Clinton had him killed anyway. So it's right. like <laughs> Hillary Clinton had him killed anyway. So it, it's it's a really it's it's hard to to say, "Oh, denuclearize where you'll be fine." And um, you know, you have an example of doing that and you totally just you you not only killed him. It wasn't it wasn't just like Gaddafi didn't just get overthrown they, yeah they brutalized him he I died mean, he, was a, he was a dick and he probably deserved it but like they fucked him up he died in the way that dictators fear of being overthrown that's right mm-hmm. like he died in the in the worst possible situation imagine like he was sodomized with a bayonet up his asshole um just dragged in the streets like just the worst possible situation um, you can imagine it was crazy. It was it was it was a disgusting video. I don't care to watch stuff like that, but I mean, you should watch it just to give an idea <laughs> of like the fear. No, I, like I think it's when you see it, you feel bad for him. Like you, you're you're a sicko if you don't feel bad for him. Don't see right. It, I mean, that's just, just that's just like disrespect for human life. You know, he might have been a dick, but like they should have arrested him, put him on trial for whatever it is that he did wrong, and then. And then if it if it made sense to put him to death, they should have did so respectfully, you know, like every other civilized you know nation in the world that has capital punishment, like yeah, but uh, or they, just throw him in a cell. <laughs> like, but with that with that example, you can't expect the North Korea North Korea to, to right. just completely throw out all their all all their bargaining chips because they're walking a exactly. thin line too. So exactly, and that's so to running it back to what I said earlier. It's like on the one side. Like like you point out, North Korea isn't going to just give up their nukes with the hopes that maybe the U.S. will hold up their side of the bargain. They've seen what we've done with Libya and other countries in that same regard, right? And on our side, you as a as a U.S. president, you can't go in there and say, yeah, like yeah, yeah, sure, we'll we'll get rid of the sanctions first. Just please get rid of your nukes afterwards, like promise, you know. Um, but I think they're setting up a false choice, right? Like like the the stalemate that they're getting to is is assuming that those are the only two options. When clearly, if you look at Dennis Rodman, for example, or if you look at the South Korean plan, uh, you know, to to normalize uh, um, uh, relationships between North and South Korea, there are there are clearly more options there, right? A lot of smaller steps towards getting to what you want, and I think, you know, I'm I'm in favor of that. And you know what, frankly, if if you know, I'm again not not a fan of president trump but if he wants to go back and have another you know go at it like i'm in favor of that 
have as many talks as you need to do to get to, to move the needle forward but just go in with an open mind and stop being you know <laughs> stop raising the bar <laughs> leave Bolton I, I at think, home <laughs> i think trump is I think Trump is politicking as well. Um, yeah. He knows that he, if he just, if he gives sanction reliefs, if he gives any type of sanction relief to North Korea, it's not going to look they good. They don't, for him. De- yeah. if they don't denuclearize right away, mm-hmm. then he's going to take shit for it. Right. Like if they don't start deconstructing a a testing site or you know they're they're a really big one they have um, that that's still the, the one where the main plant where they enrich all their uranium I forget what it's called but yeah I know that still exists and if they don't like go ahead and, well I mean they blew up one of their plants in fairness but they didn't yeah, they let anyone up, go in and check <laughs> they blew up they, they did de- they took down one of their uh, big testing sites and then mm-hmm. um, one of their plants but they still have a bunch more yeah um, and he, know, I think Trump knows that if he makes a deal with them without giving something immediately in return, um, the press is going to go after him. So I think he's trying to politic around that right now. Right. And, uh, and he's got a very, very strong battle ahead of him in the next two years. You know, he's he's coming up for re-election soon, and you know we already got the uh, Democratic side gearing up to to you know take him down. So you know he can't afford any missteps pretty much anywhere, but definitely not uh, on foreign policy. Yeah, on foreign policy, he's gonna try. I, I don't. I honestly don't even know what his approach is. The Trump foreign policy, uh, uh, his foreign policy is pretty perplexing because, uh, on one hand, you have Trump's Trump's instincts, which I think are actually pretty good. Um, I, I like his instincts in foreign policy. His advisors and the people he has, the, the people that he put around him, are terrible. Um, they're not the type of people who are going to help him carry out his instincts, and that's why you see so like it's like a bipolar foreign policy when you think about it. Like his, he does things, but then he also has this really, really crazy rhetoric at the same time. So he'll do things like removing troops out of Syria, um, or or and start talking about removing troops out of Afghanistan. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, he'll he'll have that dogmatic anti-Iran rhetoric and all that stuff. And, right. you know, the fire like, and fury and then the ratchet up Venezuela or some shit. Yeah, like that. it's like, like yeah. it's just it's very it's very strange. I, I think, honestly, Trump's foreign policy is very much similar to Barack Obama. I, I think the big difference is that the, the major difference between Barack Obama and and um, and um, Trump is that Trump is just is a lot less eager to, to support proxy forces and stuff like that. But um, I mean, that's something I agree with him on. Um, however, I think I got to wrap this one up because I got someone uh, coming coming in. All right. Unless you have anything else to say. Not really, man. I, I don't know. I I'm interested to see what happens. And I hope that, you know, we can continue talks with North Korea not not because I love North Korea, but because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, yeah, we'll we'll continue this conversation throughout the week because this is going to be a story for a while. So, um, right. yes, I, I put out an episode um, last week on just kind of like the events that led up to the North Korean summit. So, if you want more background, listen to that one. Um, but we'll we'll keep on talking about this at least you know at least a little bit until there's more progress, just because it's a major topic. And then um, right. Let's. We're probably going to talk about. Uh, there's. There's obviously a lot more in the news right now that we haven't touched, just because you know the North Korea is such major news. But we need to obviously get into India and Pakistan. Um, that's right. We need to get into a lot of the stuff that's going on in Syria right now. 
Um, There's a bunch of domestic like, stuff picking up with our 2020 race that we got to cover. Yeah, we got to cover Bernie and all that stuff. And um, mm-hmm. there, I wanted to cover some stuff in Syria. Uh, it right. looks like the U.S. is, is uh, really po- putting on their kill shot. They're trying to put their kill shots in on ISIS right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll Kurds, have to talk about that. Yeah, the Kur- we need to put we need to talk about that too, man. There's a lot of shit we need to talk about. There's too, <laughs> there's too much news, um, yeah. which is which is the problem um, because you can only we're not like specialists in one area. We we try to cover mm-hmm. everything, um, but you know, let us know what you think we should cover. Um, contact us on Facebook or or anything like that. Write and, it in uh, the comment section of the YouTube videos. We'll love seeing them. What do you think is most? What do you think is the most important topic to cover? Should we concentrate on Asia? Should we concentrate on China? Should we concentrate on the Middle East? You know, most of our content's on the Middle East right now. But if you guys think that is boring, then we can do other stuff as well. Like that's where, where that's where we get our most praise is, is the Middle East stuff that we do. Um, but uh, let us know what you guys think. All right, I gotta wrap up. Peace, man. Yeah. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.